Hi everyone, it's great to be here today, such a privilege. Um, as you heard, I'm Ange, and we have known Elijah and Joe, like, like when you asked how many years, we were like, blank. Um, but it is quite a few years because I can remember back in the day, in the church we were at, you were in the youth group, yeah. and Jeff was the leader. Yeah and Jim somewhere. So if you want any juicy stories on Elijah back in the day, just have a word with, with them. I'm sure there'll be, um, there won't be any, will there? No, no, there won't be any at all. And I don't know if Joe can remember this, but when I kicked off Impact, which is the women's ministry, Joe was one of the first people I actually recorded uh, on a big camcorder, not a phone, on a big camcorder uh, to promote impact. And uh, it was in the car and it was so funny because here she is in the car in this car park and we're recording this. So we do go back a little while, we do. So it's great to be here, such a privilege. And I'm, I'm really hoping and believing that God is going to do something amazing this morning. And I'm hoping you're expecting too because I'm just expecting just bringing this word. Um, like Elijah's just said, this is called Heroes, and it is a privilege to be here, a privilege to be with such great leaders in a great church and two churches combined. And um, when, when Elijah mentioned to Jeff what this was, Heroes, I was like, wow. Because straight away, when we hear Heroes, don't you think of something that pops into your head? You know, it could be a hero in your family. It could be a parent. It could be somewhat a teacher from the past, or right now, um, or it could be a hero, fictional, like we've just seen. You know, if you're anything like our family, we are a little bit sad, and we love the Avengers. So we, we couldn't wait for Endgame, uh, even though we would watch all of the Avengers together normally, but this time we were watching it, and we were all in different countries. So we were messaging each other saying, don't watch, don't, don't say anything. And then when we watch it, we can have a conversation. Um, so we were a little bit like that. And you might have a favorite fictional hero. But what we want to do in this series, and what I really hope I'm going to do, is put down a platform today, and it's going to be such a good springboard into the series for you guys. That's what I really want for you. And I want you to be really excited because when, when we found out it was loosely based on a John Maxwell book, Jeff quickly ordered it. So we'd be on the same page that I wasn't going to bring anything like way out there. Um, and it is a good book. Um, so heroes. Who is your hero? What do they look like in your head? And what we're going to do today is we're going to bring someone who was a hero in scripture and we're going to take a look at them and we're going to pull some great bits from their life and help us in ours. And if you are anything like some people, they can look at scripture or read it and think it's not relevant to me. But as we look at this person, I want to, as we really look and as I, I tell a story, I want you to think of how we can relate to you. So here is what a hero is. The definition. A champion, a conqueror, a winner, a victor, a lionheart. And so with this in mind, I want us to think about you now. And I want your imagination this morning. I want a little bit of help this morning. And I want you to imagine a screen in front of you just a screen with you in the middle. No one else, 
not your partner, your family, your kids. So it'll be a nice quiet screen. <laughs> Just you in the middle. And I want you to be totally open what the Holy Spirit wants to say in your picture today. Now, I want us to take a look at this scripture. Can we put it up, please? Do, not, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it that we get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating air, no. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that I have preached to other, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize, and that's in 1 Corinthians. And this is what I want to do. As you picture yourself in that screen, just you, I want you to think about that scripture. Because what Paul is saying here is that we're not just kind of wandering around and kind of, you know, hopefully, you know, wandering to that. And what he's saying, we are like this. We are ready. We are focused. And we're going for it. Now, I want us to be honest today. I want you to think, how are you in your picture this morning? Are you running like Mo Farah? Paced, maybe a little bit of a sweat, but you're breathing well. You're looking to where you want to run. Conditions might come, but you're still going. And I want you to be honest. Does it look like something else? Maybe you were running and you've got injury upon injury. Maybe you've pulled a ligament, maybe a few. Maybe you were running with a limp. Maybe you have got a blister upon a blister and now you were bleeding out in your race. And I really want you to be honest with where you are. Because I really believe as I was prepping this message that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your race. But he can only do it if we are really honest with where we are and how we are running. Or maybe how we are limping or how we are crawling. And when you look at a scripture like that, you might be thinking, Ange, I've crawled my way here today. Life is so hard. Well, whether you've got a good pace or whether you've crawled here today, you're in the right place. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do something and encourage you today. Now, the picture that you've got for yourself, I want you to pause and I want you to put it to the side. Because now we're going to bring in the person, the giant, the heroine. And how she's going to help us in our race today. This is a picture that I want to bring forward. And this is a person, if you've been in church for a while, you will have heard of this person. You've probably gone to conferences and heard this person being wheeled out so many times. Because here I am and I want to bring this person and I want to look at her race. And this is Esther. You will find a story in the Old Testament. And what I'm not going to do today, because a story is so great and long that I'm not going to read it all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the story of a race. But I encourage you to go and read it in Scripture. So here is Esther. She's now come in the picture. And now I am pressing play. And we see her race. And she's getting ready and she's running. 
But a lot of us can pick up Esther's story when she's in the palace and she's got her robes on and, you know, the crown and she looks the part. But I want to go way, way back. I want to rewind and I want to look at the, the, the starting position when she's running. And it says in scripture that actually she's an orphan. So we can see Esther's race and we can see that actually right from the beginning, straight away, loss comes. Straight away, change comes. It's a double whammy. Both parents gone. And here she is and she's running. And you can see that as she's running, she suffers some loss and it probably takes her breath away. And, and there is change and there's a pothole and she has to navigate, but she still goes. Can't we relate to that? Loss, grief, change in our life that we can't control. But it says Mordecai, an older relative, comes now into a race with her. And he's running alongside her. And he's got some stuff to say. And he's encouraging, instruction. And when you read her story, as she's running along, she, it says she listens. So we know that Esther isn't proud. She listens to instruction. And so here she is running along. It also says in her story that she is a bit of a babe. She's nice looking. Thanks for that whistle, that little whistle coming in there. Um, she's got a nice figure. So, you know, she's running along and people are turning their head to, because of how she looks. They're only seeing one dimension of Esther. And so here she is in a race and she's running along and people are looking and go, hmm. And so Esther just continues. Mordecai's in her life and there they go. But then something else happens in Esther's race. The king of the land decides he wants a new queen. So all of the beauties in Persia are taken to the harem of the palace. And there he will pick one queen. And Esther is one of them. So she's running along. And now she's got change again because she's parted from Mordecai. Now it says in scripture that he stays close as he possibly can. And he walks past the palace every day. Is she all right? Is everything okay? Is, is Esther all right? He still cares. Here is Esther, though, in the palace now. And now there's a lot of change, but she's still going forward. And he's a nice bit for those who like spa treatments. Because here is a spa treatment that lasts one year. And everyone goes, oh, yes, please. I'll have one of them. One year where they get their skin done, the hair done, the makeup. And all of these women get this done. And then eventually, eventually they meet the king. And he chooses Esther. Now, if it was Disney, we'd all go, oh, isn't that nice? They've all lived happily ever after. But we know life and your life and your run isn't like that. Esther's wasn't. And here she is running along. And then something happens. Here is something that we, I think, we can all relate to in our race. Because she's running along and she's looking and she's thinking, this scene, the scenery is nice. It brings security. I know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I know when I'm, where I'm going to wake up. I can wear whatever I want. I've got peace and security and everything is hunky-dory in the story. Sorry, I rhymed there. And so she's running along, but then something happens. She hears that Mordecai is grieving. Word gets back to her that he is out there 
tearing his clothes, ash everywhere, and he is in such a state. And have you ever been like this where you're running in your life and everything seems okay, but then you hear of a person that you care about, you love, is not in a good place. Isn't that how the enemy can get us? If he can't get us, he'll get the people that we care about. And we can be running just like Esther, running along, and it knocks us sideways and it makes us stop in our tracks. And that's exactly what happened with Esther. She's running along and now she hears this news. Mordecai is upset. Hang on, what? Right, okay. So she gets a maidservant and she sends some new clothes over to him. Do you know what he does? He rejects them, sends them back. And Esther's like, okay, I need to tell someone else to go and see him. I need to find out what is wrong with him and why it's upset him so much. So someone else goes to see Mordecai and Mordecai is okay. This is why I am heartbroken. This is why I am grieving so much. Haman, the baddie of the story, who was high up in the palace and everyone knows him, people have to bow down to him, he has initiated an evil plot against the Jewish nation. And it, that means you and me, Esther. What we've kept secret, it's you and me as well. But everyone, every man, every woman, every child, they're going to be wiped out. And I am grieving. This has come from Haman. And I ask you, please, please go and see your husband, the king. Please beg him to have mercy. So that goes back to Esther. So Esther's running along. Now she's stopped in her tracks because someone she cares about is really upset. And then she hears this. And now she's put in a place of responsibility. And it doesn't say in scripture that she's scared. But when you read it, you can sniff the fear. Because it would be something like what maybe I would say or you would say. Because what she sends back is, hang on, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but we all know the rule. We all know that if I just go on my own initiative to go and see the king, I could be killed. That's the rule. And actually, Mordecai, it's not looking good, the very thing that you want me to do, because he hasn't wanted to see me for 30 days. It doesn't look very promising. So she sends that back to Mordecai, and Mordecai is still in his grief, and he says to, to Esther, Esther, maybe, just maybe, the answer will come through you. The Jewish people they will be rescued. Will it come through you? Will it be for such a time as this? Will you pick up that responsibility in your race, even with fear, even though you are scared? And so Esther sends this back. Okay. You get everyone to pray and fast. I'm going to do it with my maidservants. And if I perish, I perish. And so here is Esther on her race, and she's running along, and now she's been stopped in her tracks, and she, instead of having one way, there is now this, a fork in the road, and she has to decide, does she go down the left way, where the scenery remains the same, and she's got security, or does she go right, where she knows it's right. 
but she doesn't know what's around the corner and there's fear and it could be a drop and that could be it but I love this there's so many things about this story that I love and this next bit I love because for three days and three nights you know what Esther does she gets with God God isn't mentioned in this story at all in scripture but his breath and his fingerprints are all over it and here is Esther and she prays and then on the third day she puts her robes on and this is what she's doing she's now getting around that corner where it's dark and it's bleak and she steps into where her husband the king is now remember anything could happen in her path but he is pleased to see her so much so he says oh, Esther what would you like I'll give you up to half the kingdom now how many of us here if we had something in our life where we didn't really want to do it and we were scared but we've spent time with God now so we're going to go you know we're going to do it and we're going to step out we're going to do it how many of us would then go to the king <gasps> oh thank goodness for that okay I was really scared there but you know what and he's the problem and it's the Jewish people and there's going to be a wipeout but you know what you can stop it and blah 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 and we would just would have gone <laughs> but Esther didn't and I really believe that when she spent time with God, when she fasted, something changed in Esther. She began to wear something a little bit different. And look what happens. She invites him and Haman, the buddy, to a banquet. <clears throat> she gets them to the banquet. Then she invites them to another and it isn't until the sec second banquet that actually she reveals that actually I am a Jew. And Haman has initiated a really evil plot against my people. And then, do you know what happens? The Jewish nation are allowed to defend themselves and they're saved. Mordecai, a relative, is actually elevated into the position of Haman and Haman is gone. But what is amazing in this story is that I believe that as Esther, even though she's scared, even though as she's running a race in life, something happens in the path that just knocked her for six, but she decides, do I trust, do I trust God? Do I spend time with him? You know, when she spent time with God in those three days, there was something that happened to her. I believe she didn't just talk at God, she talked with him. I believe that he, she listened to him. I believe that prior to this, she wasn't wearing what she was supposed to be wearing. I believe that in that time, she began to breathe differently. You know, if anyone here has had a panic attack, it's like, a, I haven't, but I know people who have, it's like a, a panic, like a, you can't breathe. It's like a shallow breathing and it, it really affects you physically. And I believe that in fear with us, the church, sometimes things can come our way or challenges come and we think, I can't do that. I can't do it. And we panic. And our breathing is affected. Where we look at is, is affected. But I believe that in that moment, Esther began to do something and she picked something up. And I love this, that she be, when she went in to see the king, she was pacing herself. It wasn't a sprint. How many of us, when we're in challenges that we just want to get through that season? I don't want to learn anything, God. I don't want to look at it. I just want to hold my breath and get, keep going. 
And God is saying there's so much more in every season that I have for you. And do you know, if Esther had actually said this in the first banquet, it would have missed out on the timing because God was about to wake up the king. He was about to wake him up and remind him of some great stuff that Mordecai had done. He was about to wake him up. His timing is perfect. And if Esther had gone in with her race and gone all over in the first time, the timing would have been way off. God's way, and sometimes we don't get it, but his way is perfect. And he is working behind the scenes when, even when we don't know it, even when we don't realize it. In church, this is something that God is wanting each and every one of us to know. In our race, as we are running along, that sometimes we can only see the scenery. We can only see these these bad bits sometimes, the explosion, the potholes, the incline. But God is saying, church, I want you to know today, in your race, where you are, I am working behind the scenes, whatever it may look like. And that was exactly the same way with Esther. She didn't know. She didn't know that the king was going to be woken up. She didn't know what was going on. She just ran her race. She just focused on watching you. But I'm going to tell you something, church. This next bit that I'm going to say, I think is so important for us. Esther began to wear something different. She began to change the tread on her footwear. She began to dig deep. And she began to wear what God wanted her to wear. I tell you what, when you look at Esther, it blows my mind. Because all the way through her story, Esther was only looked at for one thing. People could look and think she was one-dimensional, but when God looked at her, he was like, she's mine. There is so much more in her that I'm going to pull out. Even in the difficulty, even in the problem, even in the darkness, even not knowing what is round the bend. I'm going to pull something from Esther that no one else can see. But you know why? Because she's mine. She's mine. And God is here today, and he is saying this over you, us, his church. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have a plan for you. People might see you in a certain way, but I see so much more. You know what, church? You might see yourself in your run a certain way. And God is saying, there's so much more. There's so much more. And I believe that Esther, three days prior, in her panic, I can't do this and I can't do that. I believe that as she spent time with God, I really believe she began to wear something. I really believe she began to refocus. And I really believe that her pace changed and her breathing changed. And I think this is what God wants us to get today. Whatever your race looks like, that is what he wants for all of us. You know, this happened to me a few years ago. At 15, I became a Christian. I grew up in a non-Christian family, but a great family. But at the age of 15, I give my life to God. And I was running my race, and I got married to Jeff. Jeff! (laughs) One of my biggest blessings ever. Jeff, and he hasn't paid me to say that. (laughs) But he is. And then I was blessed with three amazing kids. 
So I'm running my race and I'm blessed. And, you know, we've always served in churches. You know, we haven't sat back. We've gone into a church, be planted. What can I do? What job can we do? So we've always been like that. And I can remember a few years ago now that I was just, it began with me washing up, worshiping, doing my thing, running my race. Two of the older kids were at school. Lucy, my youngest, our youngest, was at nursery. Now, she's 21 in September, so it just shows how long ago this was. So I'm running my race, and the kids are at school, and Jeff's at work, and I've got a couple of hours, and so, you know, I'm just doing my thing. But little did I know that that was like Esther's three-day. God began to do something in me. I didn't even realize in my race that he needed to do anything. You know, I became a Christian, I was baptized, you know, I was seven, I had a Bible, I had a couple, you know, and I took the kids to church, but there was something I didn't know. You know, there was something inside of me that God put that he wanted to bring out, he wanted to pull out. I didn't know that. You know, one of the things that he showed me, he showed me, Ange, I love you so, so much. That's what he showed me first. He showed me how he thought of me that blew me away because I was always a people pleaser. And this is what he did. He got hold of me spiritually by the hand and he brought me out. And I didn't know because at that time I was hiding behind being Label, Jeff's wife. Label, Nikki, Scott and Lucy's mom. Labels that I loved. But he was bringing me out and he was saying, you know what, Ange, first and foremost, you're my daughter. First and foremost, and I want you to see or understand what I see when I look at you. You're not one dimensional. You're not just a couple of labels. There is so much more that I see in you and I want to pull this out. Little did I know that he was about to remold me and reshape me. And it changed forever. It changed me forever, it changed my path, how I raced, what I wore, my footwear, it changed me forever. And you know, this is what I want for all of us today. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to say in your race today? What does he want to pull and what does he see in you? Do you look at yourself and think, I'm inadequate, I'm a failure, you know, maybe in your race, you're running along and thinking, I thought my scenery would look a bit different by now. I thought it would, it would look a little bit better, a little bit more colourful. And you're running along and thinking, is this it, God? And you can run now with failure. You can run, run with, oh, I'm inadequate. You can run with, oh, you know what, me? Me make a difference? Me make a change? Me? But God is saying, I want to do something in you, in your race, just where you are. And this is where I want us to take a look at us today. So I want you to bring that screen back of you in it. That picture. What do you battle with? What injuries do you have? You know, Esther had that loss right at the beginning. A lot of us can have loss or something that happened to us years ago and it's still affecting our run. That God wants us to, to be freed up today. A lot of us can have fear from our past or our now or even our future. It can determine how we pace ourselves. 
What does God want to do in you, in your race? Because when he deals with you, it, he deals with what is happening around you. Because then you will listen about responsibility. And so as you think of yourself, I want to bring in Esther right now. I want to bring in Esther into the picture. Because I believe that Esther wants to say some stuff to each and every one of us. Now remember the Holy Spirit is already here. And he wants to do some stuff in you, in your race. So let's take a look at this. Imagine Esther, and you can imagine her as an orphan girl, or you can imagine her as a queen, and she comes in your picture. There is so much relatability in this place right now, in this picture. And this is what she would say, one of the things. Number one, look and assess. Look at your race right now, where you are. How, how you were running, how you were crawling. Look and be authentic. Because I'm telling you something, church, when we can really be honest, that's when the Holy Spirit can really come in and do his thing. Number two, what are you wearing? What are you wearing in your race today? You know, if we call to make a difference and an impact in this world... A lot of us are just struggling to get from one day to the next. But God is saying, what are you wearing? Are you wearing me? Are you wearing the armor? Are you wearing your identity in Christ? A lot of us in church don't pick up our, our identity. And that's what happened with me when I was 15. I did not pick up my identity and my worth and my value until the Holy Spirit got hold of me later. Three. How are you breathing this morning? Are you breathing in the Holy Spirit? Or are you panic breathing? Whatever you are going through, it, it looked different to the person next to you. You might be on an incline right now. You might, your path might be quite steady. But how are you breathing, church? Number four. And you need to be honest. Do you have a boxed-in mentality? Because that's what they did with Esther. They boxed her in, thinking, well, she's, she's nice to look at, but that's it. But God said, hang on a minute. There is something in her, something of me in her that I'm going to bring forward. And I'm going to change things. So do you have a boxed-in mentality of who you are and your worth and your value and the impact that you can have in this life? Or are you restricted? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to do something with each and every one of us today. And the last one. There is a place for you. There is a place for each and every person here to make a difference, to make impact. Each and every one. Don't look at the other people in the race and think, oh, well, it's them. I can see value in them, but not me. There is a place for you.
whether it's in your family, your workplace, your church that you were planted in, your community. Holy Spirit is here and he's wanting to stir something up in you because he wants you to look up, be stirred up and go for it. It's not about anyone else's race. This is about your race, church. Because when individually we wake up to the fact that we carry responsibility and make such a difference, then collectively, boy, just watch this space. And I want to say this before I finish today. I don't want you to go away from this message thinking, oh, well, there's a place for me. I need to go and find it. Your place is just where you were planted right now. And as you get before God, and I, I really pray this, and I pray that this will be the first of the series where God reveals more and more as you pull these giants from Scripture that they're pouring to your race like never before. That you can be really vulnerable and authentic of this is how it looks like to me, God. This is how I'm feeling. The Holy Spirit, here I am. Do your thing in me, in my race. And I'm going to pick up that responsibility and I'm going to impact for your name, Jesus, for your name and to glorify you. So this is where I want to finish. But before I do, I just want you all to stand up because I'd love to pray for you. And as you close your eyes, I just... I just want you to think of you and God and the message that we've heard today. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, for every person in this place. Every person. And I pray that you will do your thing in each and every heart. In each and every run. I pray for the people who are struggling this morning. I pray for the people who maybe are running with fear questioning, frustration. Maybe they're trying to run and they've got injuries. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love each and every one and you equip us and correct us and encourage us. So I pray that we, your church, will wear what you have called us to wear, our identity in you, Jesus Christ. And they, we, we will go and impact the world for you and your name. And I thank you for every life that will change today. Amen.